Welcome to Good Mid Morning. I'm your host, Liam Flanagan, a.k.a. DJ Flash Gordon, quarterback, New York Jets, a.k.a. DJ FGQBNYJs. Today is Monday, June 28th, and oh, what a show we have for you. Folks, give us a text. Our text line is open, and the number is 971-361-9396. Give us a shout, and we'll give you a shout out. I want to thank all of our sponsors, of course. Karen's Climate Deniers Cookbooks. If you like cooking loads of beef with an unsustainable fuel source, then Karen's Climate Deniers Cookbook is the cookbook for you. All recipes call for beef imported from the furthest point away from you at any given time. Karen's Climate Deniers Cookbook is made with only the oldest of redwood trees and is manufactured in China. Pick one up on Amazon now. We also want to thank the Boomer Pill. Want to have that I don't care what's happening to the world because I'll be dead soon anyway feeling? Well, try Boomer Pills. They'll make you so lackadaisical, you'll think you were born in the 40s. Boomer Pills. Buy them now on Amazon. Remember, Amazon, it's the devil. Thanks again to those sponsors. If you or your business would like to be an actual sponsor for Good Mid-Morning, send me an email. Send it to liam at podland.productions. Folks, it's Monday, and what a show, what a show we have for you. You know, as COVID hit the world and changed all of our lives in one way or the other, many of us found ourselves doing what I called the COVID pivot or the COVID shuffle. Joining, joining me today is not one of those people. In fact, the pandemic halted his pivot from a life he had to a life he wanted. Formerly the senior director of clinical research services for OHSU, Eric Smith spent 20 years of his adult life focused on school and building a career in medical care and clinical research. After spending way too much time in college and receiving two bachelor's and two master's degrees, Eric went on to work, uh, went to work building a name in histology, which eventually turned into a career shift to clinical trials. As 2019 came to an end, his two sons and his two sons reaching adulthood, he decided it was time to live more and work less. So he quit his job to explore the world. But that's where COVID stepped in and said, not today, bud. But now with things opening up, maybe he'll finally be able to get back to living those world adventure dreams. It's my pleasure to welcome Eric Smith to Good Mid-Morning. Good Mid-Morning, Eric. How are you? Good. How you doing, Liam? I am doing fantastic, you know? I'm hot. <laughs> you know? I'm already hot. It's, you know, it's the morning. It's toasty. And I'm already hot. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the story of this week. It's been a brutal weekend. Oh, has it? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, this is the hottest it's ever been in Portland, ever. Yeah. You know, I can only remember being in, in temperatures like this one time in my entire life, and that was on a vacation in Vegas when I was probably about 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And I remember people running from casino to casino. And it was almost like they were in a war zone, you know, except instead of artillery falling down around them, it was just the sun beating down. But people dropping on the on the sidewalk and yeah. having to be rescued. And it's crazy. It is. I mean, it's 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 brutal. I, I've said that. I've, you know, I'm going to continue to <laughs> say it. It's it's brutal. We, we almost did a new word. Yeah. You know, like like grudel. Yeah. I'm yeah. Go with grudel. It's, it's just grudel out there. Oh, man. Um, so, you know, and also I always want to point out when talking about extremely hot weather, that climate change doesn't exist. So, you know, it's the hottest it's ever been, but, uh, this is, you know, this, it's been this hot before. Well, with global <laughs> cooling, it's, it's bound to just get better and better. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about, well, first off, uh, one, <laughs> because reading uh, the intro and when I read it at first, I, I want to know what histology is. 
that's my first question. What's yeah, astrology? that's everyone's first question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are you familiar with pathology? Mm-hmm. Okay, so pathology yes. is when you have a biopsy done, something like that, and, and then a physician, a pathologist, um, looks at slides right. from your biopsy. Histology is making the slide from the tissue. Oh. Right, so pathologists can't, a lot of, I should say a lot of pathologists function as histologists for themselves, but typically a pathologist cannot function without a good histologist behind them to actually make the slide because you can't just take a chunk of someone's whatever it is and stick it under a microscope, right? So you've got to actually have somebody who, um, what I did was, was actually a special kind of histology called Mohs surgery histology. And so uh, we would freeze the tissue and then slice it up very, very, sl- very thin, um, uh-huh. five microns typically, which is thinner than uh, a red blood cell. Oh, what kind of knife do you use for that? So it's actually a device called a microtome, which oh. just means small knife. If you look at the, <laughs> I don't know if it's Latin or Greek, but so we use microtomes for that. And in, in the frozen world, we actually have a microtome embedded in a little refrigerator, basically. They call it a cryostat. Um, and so you're freezing the tissue with liquid nitrogen, putting it in this refrigerator thing that's got a knife in it. You crank a handle to slice it out, and then you've got to pick it up on the slides, and it kind of just melts on there. And then you um, you stain it, and then it's ready to be looked at once you cover slip it. So well, you got to cover slip it. Gotta I cover mean, that's the takeaway for the show, folks. Is you always got to cover slip always it. Always got to cover <laughs> slip everything, you know. So, uh, how did you get into histology? Dumb luck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best way to get in anything. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. After college, I wanted to move to Portland, Oregon. That's and where we are. It is. It's yeah. coincidental. <laughs> Um, so I moved up here and I actually started out at that time. That was, I don't know, my son's, uh, my younger son's 18 now and he was, he was his first birthday when we moved up here. So 17 years ago, uh, my wife at the time and I, we moved up here after I was done with college and I had no job. Um, I was just in a transition of my life, which is a nice foreshadowing for (laughs) maybe future conversation. (laughs) Um, but, uh, so I was ready to, to do something different and I didn't, it turns out I'm not much of a planner. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So I just said, I want to be in Portland. Yeah. And we moved up here, found an apartment, moved into it, and then we started looking for a job. We had $6,000, which at the time, like, you know, we were we were in our 20s, early yeah. 20s, and we're like, man, six grand, we'll be fine. We're just going to be fine. And we got really yeah, lucky. 18 years ago, I mean, in Portland, $6,000, <laughs> you, you were fine. Yeah, as long as we got jobs within the first couple months, I think. Yeah. Um, so we found, we found an apartment, and then I got lucky to get a job at a, at a heart monitoring company. So I learned how to read EKGs. Um, and so that was kind of my start there. And then we decided we were going to move back to, to Salt Lake City, where I grew up, unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry to anyone who's from Utah, but it's not my personal place to live. Yeah, and I'm not sorry. but we um actually my the company i worked for wanted to send me back down there to open up a branch of the company in salt lake so it was a good offer offer for us and so we went back down to utah and i started out um opening a branch of this heart monitoring company down there and then the 2003 economic or was it no sorry 2008 yes three eight i don't know i'm I'm forgetting my own timeline but it's obviously three because i said it was 17 years ago (laughs) um so the 2003 economic slump hit and uh the company went out of business that that i was working for and i'd actually hired my wife at the time on and we just bought a house and so we were like okay what do we do now i wanted to come back here but we we just settled back there and so um we just decided we'd stick it out a bit and I applied for jobs and this job that I got at the University of Utah was histology so I just started in that 
and then worked my way up through the ranks. And what was your it. what was your background or uh, what did you go to school for? So many different things. Yeah, you. I'm in your <laughs> intro. You you went to school for way too long. I did go for way too long. So I uh, I actually have seven degrees. Holy smokes! Yeah. So this is all. At uh, that time, it was before I went back to grad school. I went back to grad school about uh, oh, 14 years ago. Um, but in my undergrad, I got degrees in physics, biology, chemistry, biochemistry, and anthropology. So the sciences. I say yeah. I went for the sciences. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's how I did that. So uh, histology, and then you get into clinical trials. Is that or is, is yeah? Is, so actually, you know, I I started consulting for OHSU while I was still in Utah in grad school. Okay. Um, and I was still working for the University of Utah down there as well. And I'd built, I guess, I'd built a, a reputation at the University of Utah because I started up a whole line of service in dermatopathology, which is another fun big word, it just means pathology of the skin. So we were looking at skin cancer stuff. Um, and because I'd built a lab there, OHSU wanted to do something similar. And all of these people who head up dermatology go to conferences and, and network. And so the director of dermatology here at OHSU and the director of dermatology at the University of Utah were at a conference talking. Mm -hmm. And my old boss in Utah said, yeah, you know, our guy just did this. And I, to be honest, didn't know what I was doing when I did it, but I yeah. obviously learned through the process. So then OHSU hired me as a consultant to help them design a, a lab here. So then I was eventually hired to come back here because I always wanted to come back to Portland. I didn't want to stay down there. Uh, and I worked in dermatology at OHSU for four years and um, worked on a number of different projects. I am someone who gets bored. They called me a fixer. A lot of people call me a fixer or a builder. Um, I build something, I fix it, it's working well, and then I get bored. So I want yeah. something else. So they had a, fl in dermatology, they kind of had a floundering clinical research enterprise at the time. It was just losing a lot of um, money. Not that they do it for money, but it was bleeding out money and they needed to see what they could do with that. So they offered me that opportunity. And again, not knowing anything about how that operated at the time. Yeah. Um, I took uh, management of that unit and we turned that around and the university noticed. And so then a couple of years later, the vice president of research um, offered me well, she invited me to apply and then offered me a job as uh, leading the, the university's whole clinical research services central central branch. Wow. So, you're, I mean, you are a fake it till you make it uh, story. <laughs> I mean, that's the takeaway, folks. Pretty is, much. Is fake it till you make it because, I mean, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Like, you, you know, if you're a smart person and you can just... Uh, you know, go with it and figure it out as you're going. That's incredible. You got to do what you can. You know, I'll tell you when I was designing the first uh, dermatopathology lab in Utah, I didn't know anything about traditional dermatopathology labs. Yeah. And so they hired me to this job and it was my first week. And, you know, oftentimes in my line of work, it's been something new. So it, same story with this last job I had at OHSU. It was a brand new office and they didn't know what it was. So they hired me and they said, just go to work. They don't give you any instruction. Yeah. They say, here's an office. Have fun. Good luck. Yeah, pretty much. And so when I'd started building that lab in Utah, um, I was still in grad school. So I didn't know the first thing about what a lab even looked like. So I, maybe someone will listen to this someday who is involved in this and they'll be like, damn, that guy. No wonder. <laughs> um, but I actually called our competitors down there. I called up all the other hospitals in the region. And I said, hey, I'm actually a grad student. And one of the, at that time, the, the master, my first master's is in biotechnology. So I said, I'm a biotechnology student and I'm studying um, histology. And I just want to see how histology labs run. I want to figure out how the cost effective 
uh, way to operate is and all of that. And so I got them to invite me serially, these different labs to invite me for like, you know, shadowing sessions. And so I spent my first two weeks just going from competitor to competitor and actually observing, pretending I knew what yeah. the hell I was looking at and taking furious notes and saying, oh, that's important. I guess we need to have that machine. Okay, we need to do this. That's how I learned how to do what I did that first time was just, you know, I shouldn't say lying because I didn't tell them that I was actually needing that for school. I just said I'm a student, and that was true. Yeah, you just... But, I mean, you know, I was kind of a, a spy. You were, you were a spy, and that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, you I'm going yeah, to use that for now, and I'm going to tell people I was a spy. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, on the many levels of what you've done, you know, <laughs> throw that in there. Yeah. Sure, I was a spy. Um, let's, uh, let's take a, let's take a quick music break, um, and then we'll get back to kind of maybe, uh, we'll get into why you decided to, uh, you know, set off and, and start a world adventure. Um, uh, yeah, we'll do that in just a sec. Let's, uh, play a song off. You brought uh, a great playlist or you brought, let me just say you brought a playlist. I don't know how great <laughs> it is as of I don't yet, either. I don't either. Cause I haven't heard it yet, but, uh. Uh, as we do, we, we have our guests bring a playlist. And um, which song do you want to start off with? Oh, I don't know. Why don't you just randomly pick one? All right. We're going to do Z-A-V, Just You and Me. Uh, is there anything, any particular reason you picked this song? So I picked this song. Um, I picked all of these songs for to, sort of for a similar reason. But this song in particular, because, you know, this transition that I've made in my career, and like you said in the intro, trying to move into a world of travel, this is the song that I kind of think of when I think of making that big shift from the traditional life of working that we have to I'm going to go out and explore and just live adventure. Cool. All right. You're listening to Good Mid-Morning right here on Shady Pines Radio. This is Z-A-V doing Just You and Me. Sitting at the coffee table where you're reading Kierkegaard Minutes later you proceeded to say something that almost broke my heart You said, darling, I'm tired of living my routine life There is so much in the world that I'd like to soak up with my eyes Well, baby, I never did stop you from going out to explore Time as he walks by. 
our feet into the dirt A little mud, no, it wouldn't hurt Listening to Good Mid Morning right here on Shady Pines Radio. Folks, don't forget to follow, subscribe, comment, and review. You can find uh, Good Mid Morning on all your favorite podcast venues. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at good underscore mid underscore morning. You can follow me at DJFGQBNYJs. And please follow Shady Pines Radio at Shady Pines Radio and Podland Productions at podland.productions. Hanging out here with Eric Smith, talking about uh, life and changing life. Uh, you know, you uh, so you had the career. You're you're back in Portland. You're doing stuff, but then you're like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I want to move on. I I don't know about you. Um, do you prefer Liam or should I call you a DJ? Uh, you can call GF. me Liam. <laughs> <laughs> it's too difficult to you know. Have you try? So, so I, Liam, I don't know about you, but I, I find sometimes I wonder if I'm the only person who feels this way. But I find that there are phases that I go through in my life, and then I get pulled to do something else. And that pull doesn't—it's not like a physical pull, of course, but it, right. it, it's kind of like I just feel um, like my interests shift, everything shifts kind of all at once, and it seems to time with changes that happen in my life anyway. Um, and it happened to me 10 years ago when I wanted to come up and back up to Portland. I had this really strong desire to come here. I had to make sacrifices to do it, but I just felt very strongly like my place wasn't going to be back in Utah. I mean, I knew so that how, all along. But how long How long in between? Uh, so you came to Portland, and then you went back down to Utah, and then how long were you in Utah before you came back to Portland? Oh, gosh. Um, let's see. would have been about... Six years. Oh, okay. Yeah. So a good chunk five of time. Or five or six yeah. years. Yeah. Okay. There. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, this time has been about ten years, and it's strange. I I always, I've always loved Portland. I always thought Portland was my place to be. But even when I came up here, uh, the very first time, um, I remember thinking, well, maybe, maybe this won't be my my final spot, but it feels like the right spot for me now. And there's something that shifted in me in the last few years where I just feel like. Um, like my Portland time, I still love Portland. I still have great friends here. I have my family here. Well, my, my own kids here anyway. Yeah. Um, but it just doesn't feel like it's where I'm supposed to be right now. I don't know how else to describe that. No, I, I, I understand that feeling 100%. I've had that feeling for about seven years now. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm married and my wife loves it here. And, uh, you know, we, so whatever, you know, yeah. we, no, we do you. what we can. But, uh, yeah, I've... Uh, I've been saying I want to get out of Portland for years and years now. Uh, but the problem is, is where do you go? Where do you go? Where do you go? Especially now. Yeah. Especially, especially in the time that we live in. Well, that's, that's the truth. And I, I'll tell you, I, um, 
I have felt a pull. Maybe this will make me an enemy of some of your listeners, but I felt a pull to Seattle strongly uh, for years. Yeah, I really like Seattle, um, mostly just because of the environment around it. I think it's gorgeous up there. Uh, but moreover, I've started traveling more the last ten years. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was married, I divorced my ex-wife. We're still great friends, but we got divorced about eleven years ago, and uh, and she never wanted to travel anywhere. She was terrified of the world. Oh man. So she, we went to. Epcot all the time because that was her thing. She's a Disney, huge Disney oh, fan. Oh, wow. And she would say, well, why do you need to go to China? We've been to the China Pavilion. Yeah. And she couldn't, she couldn't understand it's the, the difference. It's the same thing. It really it's is very similar. <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but when, when I got divorced, I felt this like, okay, now I, you know, it's not a great thing to get divorced ever, I don't think. Yeah. But, but I felt like, okay, I can at least travel. And I started traveling the world more and it was slower at first. And then the last few years I've had more freedom and more financial stability to be able to do that until this last year. Um, so I've really traveled a lot. And the more I see the world, the more I feel like I belong as a citizen of the, of the globe rather than a citizen of one place. Yeah. Um, and so that's drawn me. And so my idea when I, when I put my notice into my old boss at OHSU, which was about, uh, gosh, I think it was October of 2019. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. My plan was to move to starting in France. Uh, I was going to move to France, southern France, and live there for a couple of months, and then move somewhere else to the east of that for a couple of months, probably Italy. Yeah. And then keep going east and kind of take a couple of years and circumnavigate the globe, taking a month or two months in each place to try to dig in and actually see a little bit more what the culture's like. And that's the goal I had. Um, unfortunately, I, I bargained with my boss because I told her I was interested in leaving a year before that. Uh -huh. um, and she said, well, why don't you just stay one more year? We'll see how that goes. What's one year difference going to make? Little did we know. Yeah. Um, so then when I finally said, no, it's my time. I'm going to leave. Uh, I bargained with her again. I said, okay. I, I used to host a, a big uh, clinical research conference. It was new, but still pretty successful local one at OHSU. And it was my baby. And so we were doing the second year of that. Um, last year in May 8th. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll stay till May 8th and just see the conference through. Mm. And uh, so we had that conversation in, like I say, October of the year before. And of course, you know, in that nine months or seven months, whatever that was, period, um, everything changed. Absolutely. Yeah. So by the time, by the time I got around to actually being able to leave work, I couldn't leave the country. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was rather interesting. I got really lucky in that part of my bargain with her was I said, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, but what I want out of it to stick around for this extra long period of time is I want to be able to de completely deplete my vacation because OHSU, very strangely, I didn't, I don't know how many people know this, but in the last few years, OHSU has actually enacted some new policies where you, they don't pay out your vacation when you leave anymore. So I didn't want to oh. lose my vacation. Yeah. So I said to her, you know, just let me deplete my vacation. And so I did get to travel quite a bit in that six months. I went to five countries before COVID hit last year. Oh, really? Yeah. What uh, what countries did you hit? Well, I celebrated New Year's Eve 20, well, New Year's Eve 2019, I guess. So yeah. 2020 uh, changeover in Tokyo. Oh, wow. I was in a little bar in Tokyo. And I, I thought that'd be really cool. Yeah. Turns out that the Japanese treat the holidays as go home and shut everything down. So it was almost like a preview of what COVID was going to look like. <laughs> I was there with my girlfriend at the time and we went over to Tokyo and it's like, what the hell? Everything is closed. Nobody's on the streets anywhere. Yeah. So we found a bar full of Australians because that was the only people out were other tourists. 
um, and hung out with them on New Year's Eve, which was kind of fun. And well, yeah, I mean, do the Japanese they don't they have a do they have a different calendar? Do they have a different calendar? Is it different? I'm New not. Year's? <laughs> no, I'm, I mean I'm not an expert on it, so I can't say for sure. But I will yeah. tell you that what we were told is that. Christmas and New Year's in Japan is a holiday that you leave the city and go back to where your f- main family oh. is from. So they all go to the country is what we were told. Okay. And everything shuts down. It was a weird, at the time, very bizarre. Now it almost yeah. seems normal to go see this abandoned Tokyo and walk the streets with nobody on it and all yeah. the businesses shut down. But um, So we did that on New Year's Eve and then I went to, I was actually stopping there for just a few days um, and then we flew out the next day on New Year's Day to... Uh, Delhi, and I had a friend who was getting married in in India, so we attended his wedding. So that was pretty cool. Wow! And then we came back from that. Um, I had a speaking engagement in uh, Puerto Rico, which uh, I guess isn't a different country per se. So I, I may not have been completely honest okay. before. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We'll but, let it pass. Yeah, we spent some time in Puerto Rico. I went to Cuba for a week, oh, which was pretty cool. Nice. And then I was in Costa Rica visiting a friend of mine. Uh, that had met the year before when I was hiking the Inca Trail down in Peru. Um, and that's when COVID really set in. Uh, you know, we all kind of thought, yeah, it looks scary, but who knows what it'll be. And then yeah. mid-March, I was down in Costa Rica, and I'll never forget this as long as I live. We're sitting on a beach out there in this little hut uh, eating lunch, and, and the news came across, and they were basically saying that, um, that Costa Rica was closing their borders. And I didn't know what to, what that meant for me. I didn't know what to do, yeah. you know. So I sent you a picture today. I don't know if you're going to post it or not, but the one where I'm on a beach drinking from a coconut and a pineapple. Yeah, yeah. Time, that's actually the next day. So what we did, because, you know, why not? We're like, well, we don't know what to do. Let's go to this little island and just drink all day. So that's what we did. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is the cure for everything, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Seems to uh, be. When in doubt, go to a little island and drink. Yeah. So we yeah. were on this little island, and, and there were a bunch of other Americans there. Uh, and Canadians and other people, and I was talking to them. I'm like, what do you guys think? Do we have to get out? Are they going to cancel flights if they're closing the borders? I mean, nobody knew. It was all unprecedented, yeah. right? So um, so I just made the executive decision at that point. I'm like, I, I can't risk getting stuck here. There were other people. I met a guy from uh, Holland down there, and he said, you know, I'm, I don't care if I get stuck here. Yeah. He might still be there. I have no idea. But, <laughs> but I didn't want to get stuck in Costa Rica for however long it would have been, and so changed my flight and flew back uh the next day it was kind of crazy wow and that so that uh kind of halted your your world traveling halted things yeah i was still working at the time too at that point i was just taking a lot of vacation right right um but yeah so my plan to to move to live in france in the summer um got got stalled out how unfortunate um, let's take another let's take another music break and check out another one of these tracks. Uh, let's do well. This is a Portland band, Pink Martini. This is another another. Uh, oh, this is a band I I I don't really play a lot, and uh, I don't usually listen to Pink Martini yeah. a lot. But this one in particular is in French. Uh huh. And the French they say "Je ne veux pas travailler," which mm-hmm. means I don't want to work. And that's why I chose this because I, when I was leaving work last last spring. Um, 2020 spring. I listened to this song a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm going to France, and they're saying, I don't want to work. This is my song. That is perfect. Um, how do you say this? Sympathic, sy- sympathetic? Sympathetique, I think. Ah, sympathetique. I'm not actually sure, so if anyone else knows better, don't criticize me too harshly on that. Or you, you, you can always text in. <laughs> 971-361-9396. Uh, here's Pink Martini. 
doing what we just said. And <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to Good Mid Morning right here on Shady Pines Radio. Ma chambre a la forme d'une cage. Le soleil passe son bras par la fenêtre. Les chasseurs à ma porte comme les petits soldats qui veulent me prendre. Je ne veux pas travailler. Je ne veux pas déjeuner. Je veux seulement oublier et puis je fume. Déjà j'ai connu le parfum de l'amour. Un million de roses ne m'aimerait pas autant. Maintenant une seule fleur dans mes entourages me rend malade. Je ne veux pas travailler. Je ne My name's Zandig, singer for the Fist Mitts. And when I need high quality stickers for cheap and quick, I go to StickerNinja.com. From classic bumper stickers to sticker business cards, they got what you need to promote your band or business. These full color, waterproof, UV resistant stickers are tough enough to last through the band's breakup to the reunion tour with free domestic shipping. And right now, you can use the code SPR10 and get 10% off your order. Go to StickerNinja.com and support your locals today. You're listening to ShadyPinesRadio.com. Here's the lineup for Monday. At 9 a.m., it's Good Mid-Morning with DJ Flash Gordon, quarterback New York Jets. A case of the Mondays with General Electric at 10 a.m. At 11 a.m., Outlaws and Rebels with Outlaw. Mood Swings with Moonlit Brit at noon. 
at 1 p.m. WCRB-FM with Carlos the Rollerblader. At 2 p.m., Forget-Me-Nots with Kayla Smith. From 3 to 5, Radiocracy with Steve and Nico. At 5 p.m., Queer Ear with Ariel Chamberlain. Rolling with the Fog from 6 till 8 p.m. with Greg Fogg. 8 to 10 p.m., Sub Rosa Sound Radio with Ariel Wang. And at 10 p.m., it's Light as a Feather with Renan Davidson. No matter the day or time, you've picked the right time to listen in. Thanks for listening, and tell others. Shady Pines Radio. You're listening to Good Mid-Morning right here on Shady Pines Radio. Folks, tomorrow on Good Mid-Morning, we've got guest host Joey Ficken. And then be sure to tune in on Wednesday where my guest will be, as always, Arlo Warehouser. And then we're also going to have pizza chef extraordinaire Shardell Dews from Red Sauce Pizza joining us. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Hanging out right now with Eric Smith, talking about uh, life and life changes and of uh, and uh travel traveling did you so did you always have the travel bug when you were like uh, before you were married to this person that didn't want to travel at all <laughs> uh, d- i d- did yeah did you travel young as a young person uh, you know i thought i did yeah <laughs> by my standards now i'd say no right um we went to so again i grew up in salt lake city we went to las vegas which is basically the closest city of of anything worthwhile yeah <laughs> sorry boise um <laughs> and and so we would travel down there quite often um yeah. my mom and my stepdad would go down there for bowling tournaments and things like that it's oh really strange. were they bowlers or did they just they just enthusiasts they were bowling enthusiasts my stepdad actually was ranked uh-huh. um my stepdad's a, he's a he's an interesting guy. Uh, <laughs> he did many things. So yeah, he was he was ranked. Um, he also was, as it turns out, um, and I hope it's okay to talk about this on the show. He was uh, also running a gigantic illegal gambling operation. Oh, so when I was in third grade, the FBI raided our house, and that was interesting. Whoa, <laughs> maybe that's where you got your spy bug. There we go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was taken under the wing by a young FBI agent. <laughs> So, uh, so, but that was about it going down to, to Vegas. We went to Vegas on occasion. We went down to California. Um, we didn't really travel far and wide. We traveled often. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I really got to love road trips when I was young for that. Um, but I didn't get to see much that was different culturally. I mean, I never made it as far as Oregon when I was a kid. Right. So, um, so it was very different than how I travel now. Yeah. Yeah. I was lucky enough to have parents that liked to travel, and uh, so I got to go many places when I was a child, and uh, I love that. I just the, and you know, it gave me a travel bug that I, I've you know never shaken. I never want to shake. I want right. to, and uh, this COVID, uh, the pandemic has really, really put a damper on any travel, and it's been kind of a pain. To be, honest, to be to be honest with you, I'm like over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for so many of us, it's, yeah, it's just yeah, it's difficult. It's so you're uh, so COVID happens, you can't do the travel, you come back, uh, and so are, do you just go back? Are you go back to work, kind of? No, so I'd already given my notice, and right. I I didn't want to 
preemptively go back to work because I didn't know how long this whole thing was going to last. Just a couple weeks. Well, that's what I keep hearing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, um, I had this summer plan and I had a plan to actually, um, before I left for France, I should have mentioned this earlier, I was planning to ride my bike across the country to my brother's house, which he lives outside of Boston, in <laughs> New Hampshire, actually. Just going to ride my bike to my brother's house. <laughs> oh yeah, where's your brother live? Across the country. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, it's a, there's a trail called the Transamerica Trail and there's yes. two alternates, the upper tier and the lower tier. I was going to do the upper tier and ride out there. But so much of that trail relied on um, camping in city parks and staying in church parking lots and things like that. And we started, my, my girlfriend was going to drive support. She didn't want to ride it, so she was going to drive support. Um, and we started looking into all the places we could stop, and so many of them were closed even then that that oh, didn't look yeah. like a possibility. So what we decided to do instead of all these other plans was just take a big road trip. Um which on its own is a very unique thing to do because you can't really do anything in any of the cities of the country. But yeah. I wanted to see parts of the country I hadn't seen. And we specifically wanted to go down and watch the first manned um, shuttle launch by SpaceX that they did last, uh, what was that, May or June? can't remember when we were there. So we had that in mind, and we kind of just skirted around the country in her car. We converted the back of her um, Rob four into a platform bed that we could uh, stow things under and we packed the dog my dog and her cat in the car and <laughs> We spent two months driving around the country Wow um, Sleeping in you know sides of roads and, and rest areas and getting kicked out of a number of rest areas and things like that It was, it was an interesting experience and this was in 2020. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was last year um, Yeah, so last year today I was just looking at this last year today. I was in Bar Harbor, Maine in Acadia National Park Watching the sunrise. So. Wow, that's nice. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, I, 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 I you know, I never really thought of that, thought of, well, let's just travel around the country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure not a lot of people did uh, because, I mean, I'm exactly of why, you know, or, or what you said, like, there's nothing open. There's nothing really to do. It's not like, you know, you can go to all the major places or go to a right. city and really, you know, get to know that city. It's just yeah. a, so, yeah, so. It, that's such an interesting then take on or you got a, a totally different perspective on the country like yeah while this was going on yeah my girlfriend had never been to vegas and <laughs> she has once now but i say she's still never been to <laughs> yeah. vegas um it was just you know vegas was odd it was just completely shut down there were some lights on and some of the buildings shaped in hearts and things like that but it was almost like a uh it was like an EDM Mad Max. It was like yeah. <laughs> there were there were roving gangs of people playing like dance electronic dance music um, on bikes and hoverboards with lights on them going up and down the strip, and that was it. It was so trippy, man, to be in Vegas and see this. And I still I don't know if they were like fighting it out for the the king EDM gang of Vegas Strip or what, but it was something. That something. To that see. sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah. Did uh, so was it was it kind of like a, a was it like a a ghost town feeling in a lot of places? Yeah, in a lot of places, and then other places it was as I'm sure you've heard. I mean, it was just business as usual. Right. We were in Arizona, and you wouldn't even think there was anything going on. And then we crossed the border into New Mexico, and you couldn't go anywhere without like the same stuff you'd have here: lines at the grocery stores, mask checks, temperature checks. And they're right next to each other. You know, it was kind of bizarre to drive drive from state to state and see how they were handling things differently. Yeah, I and so it kind of gave you a, 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 a cool look at how different states are and kind yeah. of why maybe why we're we're still in the uh, 
state that we are or, or you know, yeah, something like that. I don't know. I'm not an expert. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was definitely, it was interesting to see how things are, are so different across these imaginary lines that we've made up, you know, between did you, regions. Did you feel safer in certain states? Uh, safer how? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I guess safer from COVID. Um, yeah, I mean, we tried to be safe everywhere. So the first thing most people say when I tell them we did a road trip is, oh, I can't believe you did that. That's so dangerous. But we, you know, we were in our, in her car, I yeah. say our car, we were in her car the whole time and we didn't go into cities much at all, unless we knew somebody in the city we were visiting. Um, and we limited any of our contacts. So, um, I felt pretty safe the yeah. whole time anyway, just because we were camping. I mean, I, I saw more people when I was hanging out in Portland than I did on this road trip oh, and interacted wow. with more yeah. people generally. So, um, so yeah, I thought it was pretty safe, but there were definitely places, like I say, you know, Arizona always comes to mind where it just didn't seem like anything was going on. And you, I, I was visiting a friend of mine who lives in Prescott and, uh, and so when we were in Prescott, you just see restaurants open and people dining out like nothing was any different at the time just a regular day yeah i will say i went back to visit that friend um he's a dentist i was helping him reopen his business after he had to shut down for covid in october and arizona looked very different in october where they did have mask mandates but in the beginning of the summer last year in may yeah there was nothing (laughs) it was very just very bizarre wow what an experience. That sounds like that's just so crazy. It was cool. I, you know, and just for me to be able to see the country too and yeah. in a slow way like that and kind of drive through the rural areas, I really was surprised at some of the places I liked that I thought I'd hate and some of the places I don't really care for that I thought I'd like. I mean, I, I really like Alabama as it turns out. Never would have guessed that in a million years, but oh, it's. What, uh, what was it about Alabama that, that uh, tickled you? Um, so, you know, some of the areas in Alabama are, are more, <laughs> I'm going to sound really bad and, and, and biased on this, but they're more cultured than you might think. I mean, we were in Huntsville for a day and there's just like a great craft beer scene there and amazing food. And there's a NASA facility there and just, uh, it's greener than I thought. It's not as flat in that Northern part as I thought. Same with Mississippi. It, Mississippi is flat and all of that, but we, we kind of dove into the Delta Blues when we were in Mississippi and just learning the culture of the Delta Blues and how much of our music has been sparked by these early pioneers in, in the Delta Blues area right. um, was really fascinating. And, and going to uh, Clarksdale, Mississippi and seeing you know Ground Zero, the club that's there. And um, we actually have been, fo- my girlfriend and I have been following a guy that we heard at her first here at the uh, Waterfront Blues Fest, I don't know, five, six years ago. Um, He's a young kid. I guess he's probably about 22 now. But when we first saw him, I think he was 17. Uh, his name's, uh, uh, well, they call him the Kingfish. I don't know if you know him. Chris uh-uh. Stone, I'm blanking on his last name. I, I shouldn't be blanking on it, but that's what that's what happens to me. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, he's this young kid who's just like blowing the blues world away. And he's also from Clarksdale. And so it still to this day persists, you know, from 100 years ago to now. Yeah. This weird kind of um forgotten region of the united states is producing some of the most innovative and best music around that's cool to experience that and it's not something i knew was there yeah Kristen ingram Kristen ingram yes Kristen thank you ingram yeah yeah the kingfish yeah he's great i should have chosen one of his songs you for the playlist should, you should have because <laughs> that would have been a great transition right now but uh instead we're gonna hear uh we are gonna hear another track though uh this one's caravan palace ah jolie coquine 
So is this another French inspired? It is. I don't actually know much about this band, and I uh-huh. can't remember where I heard this. But yes, I like this song. This song's not just French. It it makes me want to do some combination of the foxtrot and the funky chicken every time I hear it. It's just like this bizarre eclectic sound that takes me back to an alternate steampunk version of the 1920s you'll see what i think yeah that's awesome um and, and i can't wait to see you do those dances oh i'm absolutely gonna stand here and do that yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to good mid morning right here on shady pines radio here's caravan palace doing jolie coquine sure <laughs>
You're listening to Good Mid Morning right here on Shady Pines Radio. That was Caravan Palace doing Jolie Coquin. A lot of levels to that to that <laughs> song. A lot of stuff going on there. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, I've I've been enjoying your tracks today, so. <laughs> I appreciate it. I know you're looking forward to that fourth one. <laughs> I am. I <laughs> can't wait to find out what it sounds like. Um, so, so now, so now what? You know, the COVID, COVID, I mean, I don't, yeah. who knows what's going on with COVID. If, you know, we've got the Delta uh, variant that's doing, <laughs> doing some fun things. I guess Australia's yeah. just uh, shut down again. Oh, really? I yes. hadn't read that. Yes, they have shut down for two weeks. Um, great, great is right. Because you know, it's just it's just too much freedom. Yeah, if we're all open. It's just too much choice, and we can't handle that. That is, well, that is true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is actually very true. We can't handle the freedom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my plans next. Now that things are looking like they're they're maybe going to be, hopefully, moving somewhat back to semblance of normal. Um, I am here in Portland f- until mid-August mm-hmm. um, for a medical course of therapy I'm doing. Uh, and after that, uh, my girlfriend bought us tickets to Bonnaroo. So maybe going to Bonnaroo. Nice. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if Bonnaroo gets shut down by some crazy new variant too. Yeah. Um, and then after Bonnaroo, we're, we're free and clear. So we're actually looking at, she really wants to, to go to Italy for three months. So... Um, we're currently looking at how to get to Italy, um, but with pets and travel with pets is far more complicated than I gave it credit for being last year when yeah. I had this idea and wasn't actually down to brass tacks of saying, okay, how do we do this? It's very expensive to I, travel with pets. I was pets. just going to say, <laughs> isn't it extremely expensive? It's absurd to travel yeah. with pets. So, you know, I love my dog, but if somebody has a good home for me. <laughs> oh, man. No, I would never give up my dog. <laughs> but seriously, my girlfriend's cat, if anyone wants that. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, so it, that's going to be tricky to figure that one out. And my, my kids, they're grown now. They're both graduated from from high school and doing their own thing. Uh, but I don't want to just disappear, so obviously I'll be coming back here periodically wherever I go. So all right. of those things are considerations, and the costs associated are, are significant. Um, it was super cheap to travel the last five years compared to what it is all of a sudden right now. Yeah, Flights are astronomical. Uh, every Airbnb that you can find is booking out in months in advance. So it's their challenges and what we're planning to do, but we're going to hopefully make that happen. So are you going to be documenting it at, at all? Or, um, you know, that's something we've talked about for a long time. She, um, she's actually, a, an engineering professor, so she's not a professional photographer, but she's an amateur photographer, um, and, and loves to do artsy photographs of locations that we travel. She's got years of doing that, and she posted on her Instagram. Um, We have talked about doing sort of a blog where she would do photos and I would do the writing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's possible we'll do that. You're not the first person to ask that. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, I kind of, I'm just in this place where I left work in part to de-stress, to take time off and de-stress and say, okay, I don't want expectations set on anything that I want to do. I just want to f- kind of free float, right? Yeah. Um, and COVID did not give me, strangely, did not give me the stress-free zone. <laughs> so I'm kind of hoping I can get to, you know, at least some time where I can just not have any expectations and kind of drift. I have in my head 
this image I always think of that comes from a, from a philosophy book that I read years and years ago um, where they basically said you should just kind of, well, it said move at the pace of guidance. And the way they describe that is just be like a leaf on the wind. It's like a Buddhist philosophy, uh, right? Yes. And uh, and so I want to be like a leaf on the wind. Um, and so I don't know that I want to take on necessarily doing a blog, but I'm not against the idea either. If it feels um, okay, then I'll do it. And if it doesn't, I probably won't, at least not at first. Um, and uh, you actually have your on a podcast or you're finishing up a podcast now? Yeah, we're finishing up season one of The Human Subject, which is a clinical research-focused podcast. Um, and I am the season one co-host. I will not be co-hosting uh, season two. No. I signed on for one season, and, and my time, my service is almost done. But we do have a few more episodes of that coming out. We've been releasing them for the past oh, month or so, one a week. Uh, and so, yeah, um, you know, the people, if they're interested in learning more about clinical research and the challenges facing clinical research can go to, uh, humansubject.com and learn more about that. Cool. Uh, you got any other plugs or, uh, I mean, I mean, you're, you're <laughs> I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, was, I don't know why I would thought you would. Uh, well, let's finish it up uh, because I was just noticing that this, that this song, this last song that we're, I'm so excited to hear. Uh, is actually seven minutes long. Oh, almost eight minutes long. We can cut it short because you don't need the two minutes of frogs croaking at the end. It's oh, a very nice. interesting song, okay. Liam. I'm telling you. Okay. Um, so, well, if we don't, if we listen to the whole thing, I'm just going to sign off now. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow, nine to eight or nine to eight, nine to, <laughs> nine to ten, right here on Shady Pines Radio. Our guest host is going to be Joey Ficken. We've, we're going to talk about music and uh, I forget what our theme is, but it's going to be good. So tune into that. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for, for coming by. This was great. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was me. a lot of fun. It's always good talking to you. Yeah, you as well. So we're going to finish it up with uh, a band that I really never thought I would play on any of my shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's Incubus doing... Uh, did you just pick... Uh, words that i just wouldn't be able to read is that <laughs> was that the, the theme not here? intentionally but apparently i did <laughs> aqueous aqueous transmission Aque aqueous, aqueous transmission there we go aqueous transmission and and just imagine that leaf floating down the river and that's what this song's about oh, so it's man. perfect segue that's a great perfect thank you so much uh so here here's the song i'm so excited to hear this and we'll be back tomorrow right here on shady pines radio on good mid-morning
Through, maybe we could meet again. Further. 